Welcome to the Versa Business Tips Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Versa Business Systems, Shaheen Mazloom. We are here with a guest today that owns a CPA firm who's also an expert in acquiring other companies in their industry. Corey, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, Shaheen. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Thanks for joining us. So for those out there that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and what your company does. Sure. My name is Corey Gaiman, a uh, part of JCG CPA firm. I started it back in 2014. Uh, I, I left the CPA firm I was working at and, and get my experience at and just decided I was going to do this on my own. So I uh, started it from the ground up. Uh, along the way, we, we've acquired and we've grown naturally and we've really honed those processes down so we can grow to what we are today. We have six physical offices, but now we're growing the virtual office even more. So uh, things are looking, looking up cool. going forward. Yeah, man. Yeah, I've got a similar story. You know, I, I was in the industry before and decided to go out on my own. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think that's just the best way to do it, mm -hmm. right? Like when you're trying to start from scratch something new, it's uh, I don't know how people make it. So you're you're approaching 10 years in business. Yeah, coming up next year. Next year will be 10 years. So Exciting. Very cool. It's been a long ride. <laughs> Very cool. I can't remember what the exact statistics is, but it's something like 90% of businesses don't make it to 10 Oh, wow. Years. Wow. So that's very, very impressive. I can believe it. You know, awesome. seeing startups all the time, just they just struggle in that first three oh, yeah. years. And it's just always tough yep. to get past it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you just got to not give up. Right. Right. <laughs> right? I feel <laughs> like a lot of people end up giving up right before right. they're about to see that success right. or go over that line. That's right. You know? It's crazy. So, uh, for those established businesses out there, you know, like tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously you were, you were, a, were you a CPA before you started this firm? Yes. Yeah. I became a CPA back in 2011 and I, I worked at a okay. firm for seven years, uh, before I was a CPA and during when I got it, that's where I got my experience. And, and I, right. I really built my firm sort of based on that, or at least based on that experience and, and tailored the way I right. wanted it to be. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, um, so, so your firm, uh, obviously helps businesses, right? right? So w what are some of the, uh, I guess, what are the, some of the main points that you guys cover when you're, when you're taking a look at a business and how you can help them? Yeah. You know, we do a lot of, uh, business coaching, but we also do a lot of simply preparation for the tax return. So in that business coaching sector, though, we want to help people with their liquidity. That's a big issue for people. Efficiencies. Right. Um, sometimes just pointing out, uh, you spent this on personal stuff and you spent this on business stuff, but used your business money. If we can point that out to them, they can see why they have a net income, but they feel like they have no cash. Uh, we can help them right. to organize that a little better and, and understand it better. Really, what I've found is just educating our clients on how this works and why it works yeah. and why it's important uh, has really gone a long way to their success. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we're, we we believe the same thing, right? It's all about educating yeah. them because at the end of the day, right? Like the guy that owns the mechanic shop, he knows how to fix right. cars. <laughs> the guy that owns the restaurant, he knows how to run a restaurant, but they don't understand the taxes and the right. accounting right. and the marketing and, and and all those different things. Uh, you know that that takes a business to really succeed. So. Um, you know, when you're looking at these different businesses, is there, is there some like, um, you know, some things that you're coming across often that mm -hmm. businesses are struggling with? Uh, it usually is just that basic organization and cash flow. Um, 
understanding that spending money on something to get a tax deduction also means you have to spend the money and it's got to come from somewhere. Um, So let's make sure we do that efficiently and effectively. Let's put it in the right year for your tax deduction, but let's make sure you can also handle it cash flow wise and that it was a good business decision. Uh, So cash flow is is probably the biggest. Uh, So just teaching people how to to literally handle it and how to uh, have themselves a paycheck as the owner but then leaving enough money in the business to be able to run the business. So there's a a good striking balance there. And then once we move to the next level, then we can get into efficiencies of are your costs good? Are you getting good deals? Um, Some analysis there where I've helped some businesses and and I've, and I've um, referred some to other deeper dive firms that will, will help them really get the best out of their, their revenues. Right, right. Now, so as, as far as deductions, uh, you know, like when we have these conversations with some business owners, they're, you know, not everybody realizes that you can deduct. I mean, there's oh, so yeah, many things yeah. that you can deduct, right? Like, right. And, there, and there's so many things that, you know, things keep changing, right? Like you used to be able to deduct some things that you can't now. And right. um, what are some common things that are, are tax deductible for businesses that most businesses aren't realizing mm-hmm. and that you're able to, you know, kind of uh, educate them sure. on that and, and show them some taxing. And it depends on the type of entity they are. There are different deductions right. and styles for each type. Uh, whenever I start working with someone and then they're just brand new in business, they ask, everything. They'll ask if, are my supplies deductible? Are my, uh, all of these things that I think are, you know, pretty obvious, but it's okay. I I tell them if you had to buy it and you wouldn't have without the business, it's likely deductible. So let's start right there and you pay for it through the business and then let's talk about it. Uh, But some of the things that are missed, um, you know, you talk about uh, uh, mileage reimbursement for employees. Uh, That's potentially a good benefit for your employees and the deduction. If it's appropriate, of course, there's an analysis to do there. Uh, but then also yeah. overnight stays, if they travel, there's a good deduction there, a good uh, repayment you can also give to your employees. Uh, but not just the employees. If you're a, a Schedule C sole proprietor, you can actually deduct that yourself as well if you stay overnight. And there's ways to right. do it, even if you're an S-Corp or, or a C-Corp, but there's different tactics we'd need to employ. Uh, but those are some of the missed ones, some of the non-cash deductions that uh, maybe they didn't spend money, but they exist. So that would be a few of those. Uh, one that's changed recently is the entertainment deduction. We used to be able to yeah. deduct some entertainment for clients, and now we can't. Yeah. <laughs> and the, oh. the meals deduction has adjusted a little bit along the last couple of years, uh, but still a right. good deduction when it's appropriate. Yeah. Now, is there any way around the entertainment? Because I we used to write off a yeah. ton of entertainment, right? <laughs> Taking out clients yeah. for for dinners yeah. and drinks and things like that. Is there ways around those, or it's just really, you know? Yeah, yeah it's just not. You know, it's just they they, they want to eliminate the entertainment altogether. So, um, right. You know, potentially you just adjust how you're presenting that. Maybe you sponsor an event instead. And you invite your clients to something like that, but you're the sponsor of the event. It's more advertising. Obviously, that's probably more money. Um, But there are ways you could still do things like that without without breaking the rules and while also taking care of your clients. Now, the meal itself is still deductible as long as it's not exorbitant. You know, you can't have have too much uh, wine and champagne on there. Ten thousand dollars steaks painted in gold. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So there are ways to get things done. Uh, Advertising is always deductible, and then. Sometimes you walk the line of charity versus advertising, but if there's a benefit to your company and they're saying your name, they're using your name, then it can usually be advertising. 
So it's kind of a shift right. there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, are, are there are there some common loopholes that um, that are out there now that businesses should be aware of mm -hmm. as far as you know tax deductions go? Yeah, you know, one of the the most recent confusing ones has been the home office deduction. Uh, it's been right. in, in heavy topic the last two years because of COVID and we all went home and, and went to work, right? So right. the questions were, can I reimburse my employees for home deduction? Uh, can they deduct it on their tax return? Uh, you know, if maybe remember back in 2017, when uh, Trump changed the tax code, he elim right. they eliminated the unreimbursed employee expense. So if you're a W-2 employee, you can't write off anything unless that you spent on the business because you're a W-2 employee. Right. However, the employers can reimburse you tax-free and you don't have to pay taxes on it. You just have to convince your employer to reimburse you. <laughs> so, right. uh, but the home office falls under that quite a bit. So there were rules put in place that you could start reimbursing your employees somehow in some way um, for working from home. Uh, you could send and you could also buy them supplies to work from home. But then even uh, owners themselves can get a deduction for working from home if appropriate, of right. course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, uh, I, when I worked for companies in the past, I, I worked from home and I was a 1099. Yeah, different. So yeah. I remember, yeah, like back in the day I could write off, you know, I, I think it was, I, if I was not mistaken, I think mm -hmm. it was all of, cause it was my office space, yeah. right? Like that was right. my office. Right. And, uh, yeah, those deductions are great, man. Yeah, um, yeah. so, what you know, I, I know you you personally have experience with you. You guys have been acquiring other right. CPA firms, right? right? Um, let, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, at, at what point, like, when did you know you were ready to start acquiring other companies within your industry? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I consider myself an opportunist. So sometimes when you say, were well, you ready? The timing's not always perfect, right? But the opportunity <laughs> right. presents itself and you need to decide, am I taking this opportunity or letting it go by? Um, and that's right. just another analysis in itself. I, I started out in a small town is my hometown. And then uh, there was a, a an individual retiring in the neighboring town and he was just right. ready to retire. He was doing the one man shop pretty well though. So which that's a model that I've shifted away from. Uh, right. But I talked to him, had a great conversation with him and, and he became a real a mentor of mine uh, even for several years. And, and still to this day, I can call him if I need Very something. Cool. So right. whenever I saw him and I realized that opportunity was there, I just had a discussion with him. And when I clicked with him, then we we rolled forward. Um, what I've learned, what I learned along this process is the the people really matter in the process for a CPA firm or a tax firm because the clients trust that person so much that they're going to resist anybody else even talking to them. And so, right. if that person's a good person that you can get along with and that you can have a smooth transition, uh, it can be a, a success. If not, yeah. you might lose 50% of the clients just because mm -hmm. for really no reason, no fault of yeah. your own either. Just because. <clears throat> right. That's wild, man. So uh, how, how many companies have you acquired now? So we acquired, I believe it's seven at the moment. A couple of them have just been an individual that merged in to the company, right? right? And they and they still work for me. Um, right. Every situation has been very different. Uh, right, one, right. One of the common things that I've found is key is how long will that person or individual be involved um, to help that transition of clients. Yeah. I did one acquisition where they were an existing firm and I was acquiring one of their satellite offices. And uh -huh. it was, it was tough because 
they continued operations. So really they weren't involved in our transition. They just right. more of a handoff runaway situation. Uh, they were a great firm right. and I have a good relationship with them, but the clients and yeah, they didn't, it, it wasn't their favorite transition. Let's say right. we've pulled through it and we have a great working relationship in that town now. Um, but that one was difficult. So really that, yeah. that yeah, person sticking around for two years, minimum, you know, five to seven if they want to, cause I always need great employees. So, yeah. Uh, and honestly, every one of them has been an individual that was running their firm basically by themselves with some support staff. Right. And that's a big job. And when you're, yeah, when you're past 60, when you're even past 50, you know, I'm almost 40 and I start to feel sometimes like there's a lot going on, uh, but you start <laughs> right. to get tired and they just get tired. So if we can come in and take that administrative burden and if we can say, yeah. look, you take two or three months off in the summer and it's no big deal. Oh, right. it, it's a whole new world for them. They can work double the years they thought they were going to be able to just because that stress yeah. is relieved. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so it, it sounds like the first acquisition kind of a, an opportunity mm -hmm. just presented right. itself. You took advantage right. of it. You kind of got your teeth wet in yeah. how that works. And then <clears throat> like, did you start then looking for other places to acquire yeah. or did more opportunities just keep presenting? It's a combination. Again, uh, I did, I did yeah. seek out some and I, I bought two through right. a broker. Um, Okay. And she was very great to work with here from Northwest Arkansas. Um, but I bought right. two through a broker. And um, after that, once I get into a town, especially a smaller town or a medium-sized town, um, people kind of start to notice. And they're thinking yeah. about retirement. So then they call, they call me. Right. And that's a great thing. I've had, I've had several oh, yeah. of those happen. Because um, then you know, okay, they are ready. They've already went through right. that process. You don't have to convince right. them that they're ready. Um, because right. these, these people have worked this role for 30, 40 years, it does become their yeah. baby. And that's right. uh, something to not take lightly and to yeah. walk, walk with them through the process, not necessarily come in with a hammer and a hard negotiation. That's just, it's a collaboration. Yeah. It's not a negotiation. It's not a hard negotiation. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, at, at, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, like you said, it is their baby, right. Right? right? You can't come in there and just blow everything up. Right. So when you're acquiring these companies, are you generally keeping the employees in place or like what, what, what changes are you making? Like, so for us, right. When, when we, when we start acquiring companies, we would rather keep the employees, you know, the good ones, right. We'll interview everybody, make sure they're the right fit right. for how we operate and then just implement our advanced technology and our way of doing business, right. which has kept us, the, you know, from getting any bad reviews the whole time we've been in right. business, which nobody else can say. So we obviously want to, you know, put our strengths into there, but we also want to, you know, keep the people and not have to rebuild this right, company. Right. Um, is that generally what you're doing as well? Like you're keeping everybody in place and just kind of implementing some mm -hmm. of your processes or how does that process work? Yes. I always promise the owner that's retiring that I will give everyone a chance to work for yeah. us. And uh, we do do an, a quick interview process with them, but we give them an actual uh, term of a chance and, and see if it's going to work because we do need the employees. Right. We need the relationships yeah. they have with the clients, again, to help that transition. Um, what I've experienced and a little bit in rural Midwest America is that we've acquired some firms that are still doing things a very old way. 
and weird. Oh, yeah. So they're very paper-based, very file cabinet-based. I think I own 150 file cabinets right now, and I don't, I, I barely <laughs> wow. use one. <laughs> so it's just, that's what came with the territory. Um, right. So adjusting the employees first and then the clients to new processes, sometimes we have to rip a bandit off and do some quick, but we try to roll those things out slowly and get everybody okay. on Team JCG. We want to be on our team yeah. so that we can right. move forward together. So the clients are presented with the United Front. And, and I will say we've had some that didn't get on board and we've right. usually they filter themselves out. Um, but I've had to step yeah. in a handful of times to let someone go because they weren't able to get the vision. So Adapt. end of the day, we do need them to come on board. We do need them to get in line with the vision. Um, but we, we try yeah. to be understanding that this is a big change in their life. Let's move through this slowly right. and give them a chance. Right, right. Definitely. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're presenting, you know, when you're going after acquiring a company, um, how does that, like, how does that process work? Mm -hmm. Like when you're looking for companies to acquire, are you going after like the companies that have been around a really mm -hmm. long time? You're checking out their reputation and doing more research before approaching them? Mm -hmm. Or is it more of just like a, Hey, would you be interested in this and then doing the research? Right. Well, I'm definitely doing the research uh, before approaching them, or if they've called us, then researching them first. Um, the, right. the if it's a different town and it's a new office, the demographics of that town, um, can, right. can they handle what we bring to the table? And what we do bring to the right. table is, I told you seven locations, but we really act as one firm. So right. you we all act remote even if we're sitting in an office we act remote to other mm -hmm. other locations and like i told you that's the next growth frontier for us is the virtual space so yeah. i think i will slow down the physical location additions unless it's a great opportunity uh, right. but research the area uh, you know maybe try to find something out about the employees uh, see if it's just one guy that's running the show um, try to see if you think he's going to retire or hers gonna, or she's going to retire uh, soon or if they want to stick around for several years and work. Um, yeah, just do a little recon and then go in and talk to him and ask some more very pointed questions. Uh, and, and lately right. I've been asking questions about their processes, about their prices, yeah. how paper based they are. Um, we want to know how quickly or how much effort it's going to take to absorb them into right. our system because they need to get there eventually. Oh, yeah. We can't maintain the old way of doing things. Right, right. Now, now, as far as these acquisitions go, so are, are you generally offering, like, are, are they doing like owner finance mm -hmm. where you're going to pay them a percentage or yeah. are you having to come out a, a large amount of capital up front? Yeah. It's definitely uh, a combination and case by case yeah. uh, basis. Right. You know, occasionally uh, they do need a, a large down payment. Obviously, I want to try to get to as little down as possible. Because that helps right. me keep moving forward, potentially even acquire yeah. another one in a shorter time frame. Um, right. If if they are very close, it, it, I also am sensitive to the fact that some of them are significantly older, and I don't want to right. ask someone in their late seventies or eighties to give me a ten year note. I mean that's that's not right. reasonable, and they're just going to say yeah. no and find someone that'll give them more upfront. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah. if someone if there is someone that wants to work for me for ten years though. Hey, we can work that out and then we could pay that a little slower right. and do some owner finance there. Um, but then we've had a few where we weren't sure the quality of the clients we were going to get. And so we've only right. offered 
you know, as clients come in and pay, we'll give you a percentage of that. And I'll do that for a term period, maybe maybe three years. We'll give you 20%, 30%, whatever's appropriate for a set number of years. And then that'll have been your right. payout. And honestly, they benefit quite a bit more there because we're going to make the clients happier, probably charge more. So they'll probably make more anyway. So, but that's them right. taking a risk that their clients don't come. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So now when you're, um, before you actually close a deal to acquire a company, are you actually getting the opportunity to speak with the clients themselves about how receptive they are to, you know, uh, you potentially going in, acquiring this company and now becoming their CPA firm or, or is that kind of the risk you're taking? Generally? No. Um, however, as several of the retirees have told me, the clients are asking when I'm going to retire. They can see it in my hairline. They can see it <laughs> on my face. They ask me every year. Right. Um, so they kind of know something's coming. And occasionally I'll have yeah. someone say, I have talked to my three main clients. They're okay with the transition. They know it's coming. They know I'm going to stick around. So let's get something worked out. But generally, um, I don't get to see the client list at all. Uh, that's just the oh, nature okay. of the confidentiality that we have. Um, right. In a CPA firm, and you you have to get client uh, approval for that first to disclose right. even that you're yeah. a client. So I generally don't get to see that list, and they run the risk that if they tell a client, the client might just jump ship immediately. You know, they have right. nothing holding them here. Yeah. There's no, they don't have no right. reason to have to stay. So yeah. it is a risk, and uh, you know, when I started this process, I was told you know expect to lose twenty five percent just because. Uh, I've been I've been very uh, proud and fortunate that we have a much better retention rate than that. We're probably retaining 85 to 95 percent of wow. of the clients just for different reasons. Um, right. You know, we keep that retiree on as long as they can. Uh, we send out a letter from the retiree who is who is telling them in their voice on their letterhead, "Hey, this is happening. This is the next evolution of my right. career. Thank you for all of your past business. I'm going to." usher you into this new firm. I'm here. I'm a resource. You know, all your files are still here. So we try to make it as seamless and convenient for the clients as possible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I dealt with a, a situation when I first started this business where I had an accountant, she was great. Yeah. Um, and you know, all of a sudden out of nowhere. So I think she got into a car accident. Oh, no. And was unable to work. Like it was a really horrific thing. So like out of nowhere, now I no longer have this CPA. Mm -hmm. I'm scrambling, Mm -hmm. trying to find someone. Cause it was like, I think it was like towards the time I like, I needed to get everything ready to file taxes and, you know, so I'm scrambling and then she did things one way and like nobody could understand it. And it was just like, it was painful. It was really, and it really creates painful. some anxiety in the um, clients as well because those deadlines yeah. are real and they're coming. 100%. And uh, we try to to squash any anxiety possible. We want when people come to us that right. our process and our demeanor and our uh, employees are, are calm and can and, and can help them to walk through it together so that we can all get to the right. end together. So <laughs> that's our goal. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, so you, you said you've used a broker to acquire companies a couple of times and then others you've done on your own. What would you say is the benefits to using a broker versus, you know, kind of cold calling yeah. 
yourself. Well, definitely it was, they listed their, their firm with this broker. So you already know. Oh, okay. Okay. So their, 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 their business is listed for sale. And so you're working with a broker to, to they've listed it. They already, you know, they want to sell and they've already presented some, you know, redacted and and stuff, uh, financials that you can, you can see some key. So so you've, you already got, you can see some KPI already and some, some numbers and you know how many employees are there. You can kind of, cover a lot of the questions right off the bat. Uh, the right. downside is uh, they're probably not as flexible on pricing or financing because they have to pay that broker. And uh, I'm not right. sure the amount, I maybe it's it. 10%. I'm not sure, but they have like right. come up with a chunk of money to pay them. So that's right. the downside, but that's not even a big downside. I had a great experience with the broker that I used and um, right. very low key, not pushy, but made sure that if, I, if she had an opportunity, she thought I'd like, she would actually send to me. So or if it fit yeah. my needs. So I had a good relationship with them. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, so would you say, um, I mean, in, in at least in your experience, mm-hmm. were the, the companies that you acquired through the broker a better opportunity than the ones that you were able to find on your own or not really much no, of a difference or how did that go? Maybe one of the differences is that you don't call – I, I, and this is an assumption on those retirees. I don't think they called the broker until they were just at the very end of, of stress ah, level right. of, I can't do this anymore. Right. Like, I can't do right. this no more. If, you, if, I, if I cold call someone or go talk to them, they're starting to think about it maybe, but they're not at wit's end. Right. And the, yeah. the conversations can be a little more pointed. You, you can get a few more years out of them. Um, the age has right. been different along the way, but I've seen some of the best ages for people at about 62 to 65, if it gets, once they get over right. 65, you can really start to tell they're getting very stressed. They don't want to do this anymore. They may say they want to help with the transition, but it's difficult for them to do it because they're really, really burnt out. Right. So, and I've acquired right. several through the, the COVID years. And so that was, had its own level of stress added on top of everything. Cause right. the benefit was everyone did change to my processes really fast because it had to. Yeah. So that was the they benefit. Right. Um, well, some of the negative was that, how do we, how do we work? How do we get this retiree who's always worked at his desk? Are we, is he going to work from home now? He doesn't want to come in. He doesn't want to do meetings. We got to rip that bandit off fast. So there was his own struggles there. Yeah, I totally get that. So now when you're approaching a company, so say you own, I don't know, a pizza yeah. place, right? And you're approaching a company that you don't really, you know, you you don't know much about, well, maybe you do know a little bit about it. It's a good area. They get good traffic. You know, the, the owner's a little older, you know, how do you approach that conversation? Is it just a, Hey, would you be interested Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, in selling and then just kind of going from there? Or is there like a finesse? It can be an awkward conversation for sure. Especially if, you know, they're, they're, um, they really get offended by the idea <laughs> that can happen too. Right. So it's, yeah. I think yeah, I'm from smaller towns where I've done these things. And so if I haven't right. been, you know, led to them and I have just cold went in, I've just got to know them a little bit. Um, in right. this industry, the CPA industry, you can just kind of see it with age. And so right. you're, you kind of like, so it's easy to say, you know, um, what's, what's your plan? What's next for you? What do you, what are your goals? What do you want to get out and do after you retire? 
And if they say, well, you know, I was thinking about listing this thing for sale and I want to go sailing or something like that. Well, okay. You just, now you're in. Now you, now you start talking about, well, right. let's talk about that. <laughs> so um, if it's just a store off the street, that's very tough. Uh, but you might be able right. to pick up some indicators by, do, do, do they seem super stressed? Do they seem like they are too busy or you see mistakes being made that you maybe is just from having too much work? Uh, occasionally you can right. acquire someone like that and streamline processes for them. Or sometimes if I don't acquire them, they become a client of mine and we can help them that way. Right. So um, you just try to to read people, to read situations and and try to finesse your way into a conversation. So Yeah, yeah, totally get that. So now it, it made me think of something else. So when, you know, would you recommend like going to – say networking events in your industry or trade shows within your industry and kind of start there mm -hmm. with having those conversations for right. acquisitions. Cause I feel like, you know, the, the easiest or best place to go would be right. where a bunch of people within your industry are hanging yeah. out and, and, and just kind of bounce around the yeah. room to the older guys. Like, <laughs> right. Hey, you know, what, what do you guys do? Learn a little bit about their business and, you know, Hey, would you be interested in, uh, you know, in selling right. your company, whatever. Right. You know, it's it, it's um, a great idea. It's really probably my next level of what I want to do. So in this industry, we right. work we work a lot. We work too much. Um, I, I really yeah. promoted a work life balance uh, structure change in our entire firm lately. But I say that right. because uh, a lot of CPAs don't do those things. Uh, we're naturally introverted. <laughs> so that's a bit definitely. Right. But what but what does fall in line is these CPE events. We have continuing education we have to go to. And a lot of times right. those are in big events where everybody shows up. And yes, you can just start having talks with people around the water cooler. And uh, right. particularly the, the older ones that you think are uh, potentially close to retirement, you just start talking to them. And it's amazing how right. open people will be when you're talking about their baby. They love to talk about yeah. it. They love to talk about their oh, business. Yeah. And so you just yeah. listen and you listen for those indicators. Right. And, and if you see a, a hole in there, if you're starting to like what they have to say, maybe just bring it up, float yeah. the idea. And if it's a shot down, that's okay too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So would you say that acquiring companies within your industry is an easier way to scale a mm -hmm. business rather than trying to do it on your own? So I easier from the fact that you can start working right away. Yes. But if you start that way, you are just buying a job. So you oh, do yeah. need to build your team. You do need to build your oh, system. Yeah, and then hopefully yeah. once you get to a level where you don't have to do so much day to day, you can, then you can start acquiring. Um, with my first right. acquisition, probably slightly premature, but it was such a good opportunity and, and a great guy that I wanted to move forward right. with it. Um, but I had a lot of hesitation on that. I was five years, four years in, four years into my firm when I did that. And I did have some hesitation just because I, am I quite ready? Can I turn the reins over here to someone else? Um, right. I pulled the trigger and, and we haven't looked back. Um, but I would say you're buying a job and you're, then you're going to need to grow that one and then try to determine if you yeah. want to do it again uh, for the, for right. the guy that's starting out now. If you, if you can get in and get a base under you, get a couple employees to cover that work, then maybe that's the time to start looking out. And I think a, a good balance of natural growth and acquisition are both important. Yeah. Yeah. I, t I completely agree. I mean, like, I, I feel like you have to have 
uh, one, obviously the experience, but you, you've got to have something that you can put into other businesses, you know, similar to yours that are going to help them right. grow and, right. and, and do better and, and make their employees happier right. or whatever it may be in order to make that a smooth transition. Cause if you haven't figured that out for your own right. business yet, you ain't ready to start acquiring other right. companies yet. Right. right. And you'll see that in your yeah. employees, uh, you can get testimonials from your own employees. I actually yeah. was fortunate that some of my previous acquisitions, when they stayed on with me, um, they would talk to a new acquisition for me and with me. They'd go to the meeting with me and tell them about their experience right. and how, how it worked out great for them. Uh, and then right. they will see it in your employees. If they visit your office, they'll see the culture. You've got to have that culture built. If you're yeah. just going as hard as you can and you don't have some of these things already as a base, it's, it's not going to work out yeah. quite so well. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, Man, it's, it's great information, you know, especially for me because we're we're almost to that yeah. stage where we're trying to start acquiring awesome. companies. And uh, so, so, what is the best piece of advice you can give to entrepreneurs in general that are trying to scale mm -hmm. a business and start acquiring other companies? So you hear that term a lot: scaling, economies of scale. Um, you're going to cut out expenses. You're going those definitely are all going to happen. You're going to end up with a lot of extra stuff too. So when you're looking to scale, you do want to find companies that are, if not completely in line with your processes, at least they started that direction. You know, um, I did right. in my industry, we shifted them over, but it was difficult when I had a, a firm that was hundred percent paper and I was almost hundred percent right. digital. That was a difficult transition. And we had to jump right into tax season that year and get stuff done. So we had to basically back ourselves back into the 19th century or the 20th century and, <laughs> and, and get and work that way just for a few months, just so we get the job done. Right. So I would say, yeah. look at their processes and make sure they already sort of act like you. Um, that's the best. Right. That's they're the not best. Too if far they're too far field. away from how you do things, uh, or if you get any pushback um, at the mention of how you do things, those right. could be red flags of not to, not to join up. And especially if you're not going to put your own management team in, if you're going to attempt right. to acquire them and let them continue to run themselves them got them on the same team. And if you get reluctance up front yeah. or you see that they're just too different, I wouldn't do it. Right. Okay. Awesome, man. Dude, it's been great talking to you. Got some great information. Um, so if people want to reach out to you, I mean, I, I know you guys are starting to do the the remote yeah. thing. So you guys have clients all over the country uh, right now, absolutely. or are you guys and still we can mostly returns in, in every state? Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So how how do people reach out to you? I'll make sure to put yeah. it in the description. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn directly and I, and you can communicate with me there if that works, or you can go straight to our website at jcgcpafirm.com. And there's ways to connect. Awesome. With so we'll put all that information in the, uh, in the description and man, again, thanks for, uh, for, for all that information. It's going to help me especially. Great. Um, and I'm sure it'll help a lot of our viewers as well. So I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Ian. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun.